and welcome to the Emotive Pixels podcast. It's season three, episode 11, maybe Oxen Free 2 by Night School Studio. Uh, it is me, your host, Nate Stevens, and I am joined today by Craig Schumann and Will Atkinson. Welcome. I, uh, I'm excited to chat about this one with you. But first, before we get to talking, Will, do you have a question for us? Our opening question this period, month, week, year, day, you could just cut whatever, (laughs) show. (laughs) In the spirit of the Dev Studio's name, Night School Studio, what is a random phrase or personal reference you'd name your game development studio after? I'll go ahead and start. I think um, I'm a bit of a social dancer. I think my random... uh, Studio name would be Segmented Dance Floor Studios. Whoa. Oh, that's good. Segmented Dance Floor Studios. You've also introduced the plural there, which I don't like. Rarely is it literal. You know, it's, do you have multiple studios? Or are you just starting out the gate with like an <laughs> Where EA approach? Where are we going? It was huge. Full capitalism. It's just like, we're going <laughs> to expand one day. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, what does that actually mean? Oh, so at uh, dance conventions, they normally um, hire out a big ballroom and you need a dance floor, which is a bunch of a big slab of wood, but you can't just have a giant slab of wood in every random ballroom. So they bring in like three by three squares of dance floor and lay them out pretty much everywhere. Got it. uh, Seemed pretty. uh, Are they tetromino shaped, I hope? Just squares unfortunately okay i got an idea for this market (laughs) i'm gonna go with flat pack piddly no (laughs) hold on not flat (laughs) okay i already see the huge marketing hole in my plan flat pack fiddly flat deck fiddly no flat pack fiddly flat so we were looking up today we're trying to see is the average lego set more complicated than the average ikea like object So it took us to like looking up, okay, is there a database of like the ranked difficulty of Ikea objects? And kind of, uh, and I don't know why, but when you link to that page, the thumbnail just says flat pack fiddly. And I immediately said, that's my new Twitch name. But the more I think about it, it's a good studio name. That is a good studio name. Were you getting paid when you were doing this research? Yeah, by both companies. Pretty crazy. Impressive. Uh, All right. What about yours? Uh, mine would be the Mile High Club. <laughs> no wow. explanation needed. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I guess I have some follow-up questions. It just what seems like an a, appropriate name for someone that's been in Colorado for their life. Oh, right. The Mile yeah. High City, right? And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think it's also kind of a bit of a throwback to the era of gaming we grew up in where it was like Serious Sam and Duke Nukem and that style of game was very prevalent and BMX, XXX and all these ridiculous things that you can't believe made it into a blockbuster, but uh, the Mile High Club. It's also a throwback to when airplane bathrooms were big enough to have sex in. Yeah, absolutely. Which is it, also nostalgic truly unfathomable at this point <laughs> i saw an ad for emirates planes I don't, first of all what Interesting. Uh, <laughs> second they were advertising that they had uh showers in their bathrooms whoa wow yeah i can't like, even stand I, up in a normal bathroom in I, the, I was just plane. gonna say yeah. i have to bend over backwards to the point where it's hard to see where i'm being 
Uh, so I don't know how a shower would go. Yeah. Wow. Hey, do you guys want to hear about the, the, the game we're playing? Or we played? Oh, right. Yeah, I know. Crazy. Uh, so this this episode, I've decided to split um, our summary of the game kind of in, in, in twain. I want to talk about the game up front, and then we'll talk about how the game got made. And then I think we're going to wrap back around a little bit into the plot of the game, which I think is a little a little discreet from the game itself. So basically, uh, Oxenfree 2 is a sequel to Oxenfree 1, which came out at the beginning of Emotive Pixels. Yeah, well, I guess not the beginning. Um, and uh, in that game, you were a group of teens and you opened a portal to another dimension with radios. It's a lot more complicated than that, but that, let's just leave it at that. So in this game, you you play as Riley. Let's uh, just who pretend is, that that's all that I remember from that game. Hypothetically, yes. And <laughs> hypothetically, we wouldn't have started this game also if we were in that boat of only remembering that much about that game because that would have been very confusing. Uh, so you were Riley, who's kind of tasked, like, like you kind of have like a new job to place transmitters around uh, Edwards Island, the same place where the first game occurs. Uh, to investigate energy anomalies. Uh, kind of flash forwarding to the plot section, uh, those ana- anomalies are indeed caused by kind of the antagonist of this game, but uh, we'll get there. Um, did, so you play her... Oh, yeah. Did it start? I, I remember the energy anomalies happening like after the first tower. Was that the explanation before the first tower? Or not? Because at the end of the game, the reason at the beginning of the game became duck research or something migratory bird pattern research oh man you are there for like the park service doing some sort of research into things that are occurring i think for i guess it was the knowledge of the first game that immediately made me just like put that as a reason aside if that was the one that was i I mean also i hate to have my credibility knocked out one (laughs) sentence into the summer (laughs) But well, you also right. messed right. up where like, the location is because the game's not set on Edwards Island. It's nearby, Mostly. right? Yeah, it's set on Kamina Coast. Um, but you do go to <laughs> that Edwards is not. Island. <laughs> are you serious? That's a fucking Sims uh, <laughs> town <laughs> preset. Kamina Coast. It's where. Uh, uh, what's his face? Oh well. Yep. Okay. Sorry, buddy. Uh, in a in a better podcast than mine. <laughs> go back and edit over all this but we're just gonna leave it keep going uh so you play as her as she's joined by kind of your assistant jacob who uh ends up helping you out he's kind of a loner from around town and you end up placing these transmitters all around um this game kind of is a a 2d like i guess platformer slash visual novel uh where you're walking around these kind of watercolor vibes levels um, kind of moving back and forth around the same area to plant these transmitters. Uh, and each of those that you place slowly, I, I guess, block slash contribute to an alien transmission that is growing over the over an island in the distance, which I assume is Edwards Island, but now I'm feeling self-conscious. Okay, great. That's, that's right. <clears throat> um, you use little radio mechanics to kind of tune and harmonize your transmitters when they're placed, and there's a lot of dialogue to choose between Jacob and Riley as the game goes on, and... A big part of this game is kind of learning the backstories of each of the main characters. And then it kind of at the end of the game, there's a very important choice that you get that kind of splits into three different endings that we'll talk about here in a bit. But first, tell me about this game, Craig. Who made this? What is it? 
Yeah, so uh, I think you did a great job kind of summarizing how you play the game, but I would describe it um, with this wonderful Wikipedia quote, which is it's a supernatural mystery slash horror graphic adventure game. (laughs) It's pretty good. Yeah, that is pretty solid. Um, It definitely is... Uh, much more of an adventure game in the vein of choosing dialogue options to, you know, maneuver through the world and also trying to explore the world to click on different objects that you get to see. Um, and then kind of learning about what's occurring throughout that. You're not really interacting with the world in any form of combat or other forms of interaction besides the the dialogue choices. Um, you also have a radio that you can tuned to different frequencies obviously you're using that when you're setting up the radio towers but you're also able to tune into different radio stations across the island as well as communicate with others on some of the different frequencies which i'm sure we'll get into um the game was developed by night school studios as you mentioned and as a follow-up to 2016's Oxenfree. uh since then night school studios also released after party in 2019 which was another game in the kind of same vein as this, where it's a, a dialogue-driven story game. Um, Night School Studios was purchased by Netflix in September of 2021. Uh, that was originally the year that Oxenfree 2 was supposed to come out. Then it was supposed to come out in 2022, and then finally released in 2023. And it was originally released for Windows, PS4, PS5, Switch, um, and then also Android and iOS, where it was free if you had a Netflix subscription through their Netflix gaming initiative. So that's a high-level synopsis of the game and the development studio behind this. Uh, Night School Studios also worked on a couple other things with some mobile games, um, a Mr. Robot tie-in, if anyone remembers that television show. Um, and I think they are also working on some stuff with Telltale uh, prior to Telltale shutting down, so... Um, when did Telltale shut down? I had a dream time. about this recent. Oh, yeah, the first was, Telltale. Uh, okay. When was that? Was that pre-pandemic? It seems like a billion years ago. It certainly does. Um, I think it was 2018. Gosh, okay. Yeah. So, so I want to jump in real quick with a question because you both kind of mentioned that there was no combat in this game but there was a section of this game where I fought somebody and won, and it got the trophy gave me the impression that I did a good job because I didn't fail. Uh, did you guys... Did you fight, bud? Was it the law? Uh, <laughs> do we have a character's names? <laughs> Elizabeth, maybe? Was it your dad? No. Was it like in the art museum or wherever it was? Uh, it was in a church. In the church, that was it. Oh, yes. Uh, is her name... Mm-hmm. Although you're just Dr. running Olivia? through the church, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was like a, the building is tipping and you have to not... Yeah. yeah, but the trophy said I beat her without letting her do anything or something like that. Like, flawless victory was the way the trophy was described. I see. I, see. I, I think it was beat in the sense of a race and less in the sense of a Mortal Kombat annihilation. <laughs> no. What is <laughs> it? God damn, I feel old tonight. I, I mean, yeah, fatality. Really you, yeah, fatality. Did you but all get the same trophy? I would have to go know? back and look. Um, I think I messed it up once, so I don't think so. But I, I don't know what the other plot point at that point is. I would say that it's a verbal jousting. Um, 
or it seemed like she was trying to open some other dimension and that if i had screwed it yeah, up she, was, she would have done she was racing whatever to open she was the portal to do. right but like, i just yeah. assumed that was a hard fail state i would go with Did like you, dialogue combat right like the i guess my point is that the game doesn't have like hand-to-hand fisticuffs or any sort of like weapons yeah i, I would I say i was curious it's like it was, platforming was I was curious if there actually was a fail state there or not. Mm. I'm curious too. I don't know. There has to. Uh, hmm. Well, we'll get into it in the plot. Like, do you know why, what Olivia's goal was? Okay. Yeah. We, <laughs> the plot is going to, this, I feel like this is a bastion episode. I, I was saying that earlier, but I feel like you're all going to be like, that was the plot. Okay. <laughs> we can't wait to find out. Right. Um, real quick before we transition to that, what platform did you guys play this on? Steam. PC. Uh, I was on PS5. Okay, I was also on PS5. I was curious if anyone played it on tablet or with a touch interface and how that might have felt differently. I really thought about it, but this I had just gotten my OLED TV, and this was the first game to be played on it, and it looked real good. Yeah, yeah, art style is fantastic. I did tell multiple people in my life. I, poor Netflix. They're really there's a weird amount of friction. I guess maybe it's because all my friends are olds, but like, yo, it's a free game on your iPad. Does not transition to many people playing it as readily <laughs> as you'd think it should. My iPad was one generation older than what this game supported. Oh, that's stinky. Yeah, so that eliminated that, which I was actually surprised by because I think my iPad is two years old maybe three it's not a super old ipad it wasn't like oh it's five-year-old ipad i was just uh just outside of it it's the one generation before that's why i wonder if mine wouldn't have been supported then either interesting yeah uh you guys cool if i describe the plot to you i i I would love to finally learn what the plot is same (laughs) okay so we're gonna start with the religious cult parentage do you guys remember the word parentage from the game Yes. Yes. Okay, that's great. That's really good. I did too, but I didn't really understand what it was, and I was really paranoid that Same. a lot of it was what I must have missed from the first game, and not not missed, but just misremembered. Oh, um, you mean parentage from the first game? Well, it's mentioned in this one, and that's all I was asking about, but do you know more than just that it's a cult? Because I didn't. Okay. No. Shakes his head. Um, so let's let's start with parentage. So parentage began centuries ago with a lightning strike in a drought over Edwards Island. The few survivors from this Edward Island lightning strike saw a triangle-shaped portal in the sky and saw paradise inside of it. They called this planet shine, which disappeared almost immediately and burned everyone who stood underneath into ash. The observers outside that triangle that survived created this concept of parentage, and the first members were described as being born with ash on their tongues. The cult uh, originally was trying to recreate that moment and reopen that portal, uh, but over time this kind of faded away until it kind of became a spiritual faith or a yoga religion. And kind of the idea of Planet Shine as this portal into perfection is kind of stuck around through the faith. So the... Uh, the remnants of those burned in the original incident have persisted in images of cleansing and the necessity of sacrifice to reach perfection. So now let's jump to the character Olivia. Olivia's parents died in a, died in a plane crash before the events of the game, and she wants to contact them again and remembers being happier. Olivia gets help from her friends and contacts Alex, a character from the first game. 
uh, through uh, transmissions she's making into the other dimension where Alex is trapped in a time loop, which I think is one of the outcomes in the first game's ending. So at the end of the first game, you kind of make this choice about who goes into time loops. And the new game plus in that is kind of, you can you can put a character into a time loop and in the new game plus they can like come out of the time loop. So there's kind of this interesting plot way that the first game allows itself to have multiple endings but really only one canon ending because yeah. you this game is basically just saying like okay in this in our events here alex is in one of those time loops um alex offers to switch existences to allow olivia to go into the portal in order for alex to escape the portal olivia wants to go into the portal because her parents are dead and she can contact them there um so Violet and Charlie agree to help build this transmitter, but don't really believe in planet shine. Um, Violet's unhappy living with her mother and wants to live with her father after a divorce. Charlie has a crush on Olivia and is kind of distant from his parents. He was 13 years uh, younger than his older sibling when his parents didn't want any more kids. Jacob describes Charlie as the whole town knowing that he's a mistake. Um, these bodies are sort of part of it. It seems like like having these bodies around is part of the plan because the goal also is to like get sailors that were drowned in an accident a long time ago to bridge the gap from death into life. But there's 97 of them for some reason, which is that they the were... average crew size of a submarine? It's yeah, about right. It seems large. Okay. seems small actually, but I guess we're talking different time period. Yeah. So the, the, there's kind of this other plot floating around that those, the sunken are trying to intercept this whole plan in order to get back into our dimension. Yeah, so, they've um, all been stuck. is one of the few stuck. things I remember from the first game, that they exist. I don't remember how or why or why. Yeah, I remember that too. Yeah. Um, it's like it so crashed and they ended up in a stunk, like the, the middle world. It, it seems like because they crash near Edwards Island in a sort of Bermuda Triangle type situation, kind yeah. like, I guess. Yeah. Um, so halfway kind of through this agreement, Alex changes her mind and Olivia gets really angry. Uh, and that's kind of when the sunken intervene to try to break through the gate and they speak to Olivia uh, without Alex knowing. So Olivia makes a deal with them since Alex has been resistant and they promise to help as long as all 97 of them can be transferred into our world. Uh, they've kind of been in this position where they're stuck in a time loop. So they've seen like the beginning and end of humanity a bunch of times. And it's sort of posited that they've kind of like lost all empathy and they don't really care if getting back or out of that situation destroys the fabric of reality, which is kind of what it seems like is going to happen. And that's your character's motivation at the end for stopping this. Like, Hey, those guys get out. That's a serious problem for like the structure of the world. Uh, but the sunken want out, which is kind of interesting because it's sort of an empathizable position. Like their only way to escape this infinite time loop is to jump on this bridge. Who cares what happens to earth? So in the end, the sun can get pushed back and we like sort of assume that they, uh, tricked Olivia, but she's like, no, yeah, I, I, I was totally okay. Making the deal with them. It wasn't like a, they, <laughs> there wasn't any secrets there. Um, isn't Olivia's and, parents dead too? Right. She's yeah. the one who wants to go to the other side of the portal to be with her parents. Yeah, that's yeah, her main yeah. goal. So that's why she's like, yeah, like I like I want to leave. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So she's willing to like let them come to this side. Yeah. If they allow her to go to that side. Yeah. 
So the, the crazy thing about this is at the end of this game, you choose who to send into the time loop in order to like forever seal it because it can only, this, this time portal that's opened that could allow the sunken to come to our universe can only be closed from the inside. I don't really understand why that's the case, but that's why at the end of the game, you have to choose one of the three characters to send in there. I mean, at the time of this person on YouTube playing, I don't remember what the st stats were at the time of my playing, but 74% of people sent Olivia back into the portal. Like, yeah, you, she can have what she wants. She closes the portal. Everything's fine. I didn't see um, why not to. Yeah. Well, I for me, it was like, and I, I almost feel like the acting is too good, but she's 16. Like, there's no way. <laughs> this is a moody teenager thing to want. There's no, there's no like, way that that's a choice she's going to feel in 10 years. But one hopes one would hope but i think to your point of the the writing being very good there's a lot of context of like are you sure like do you actually know what this means right and yeah whether we all acknowledge that or not there was definitely there was like four or five times of like this like that this will probably end poorly for you like you will probably end up stuck in regret that you made these choices right like are you sure you still want to yeah. go through with it um which i thought was interesting at least yeah i is yeah. olivia sorry well didn't make off is olivia also trading places with riley who gets to come back out or not riley riley's you mean alex alex from the first game yeah I don't quite understand what, because Alex is coming through in communication, right? But so I don't like. She does come into the world, right? So I think yeah, it is that it exchange. Seemed like yeah, she like like it's open again, and for whatever reason, they need like a new sacrifice to reclose it. But that person gets to take Alex's place, and she gets to come back. So maybe it's the case that Alex has been like holding this portal open which gives the sunken kind of their threat because she wants out. I mean, I guess she wants to make the deal with Olivia, so she must want out. Yeah. All right, continue on. I do have one question, which is like, how how is the sunken problem actually addressed? I remember that it is, but I don't remember the details of like, like what, what actually seals them away and heals that problem. It's thought, just the closing of the portal, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my understanding. It was like by sending Olivia in, you were like shutting her and everything else off into the other place. Okay. So the problem isn't solved. They're just trapped. Yeah. They, which, yeah you're just re-trapping them. I think which we're is missing something because... Pretty, pretty cruel. You make that choice and send somebody, but the the combat, the thing that stopped them from attacking, ends before that choice is made. Isn't that because you've essentially like put up a shield against them by triangulating the transmitters that you set up? So like you're like pretty much. Ah, uh, that's why you have like a few seconds, or not like minutes of time. Yeah, to to kind of because you've like essentially like put everything in place to create just that single blocking mechanism um, so you can make that choice. That was kind of my understanding. It was like that was a way to uh, to kind of like open the final door and also close off any surrounding threads that could allow people to come through. Yeah, because if Olivia opened it when she wanted to, then all the sunken would have come through at that time. Yeah. But I feel like that was after we'd planted the third transmitter, wasn't it? Or the fourth? It's after the fourth. It's like the very end. 
if that was before uh, we replaced the last one, that would make quick. sense. Yeah. The best I can. You place the fourth one. You go up to the tower. Olivia's trying to, or sorry, you've you've placed the four. They it kind of closed the thing, but then you go to the island. Olivia's on the top of the island, and she lets them through, and one of them, uh, like inhab or takes over the main character. Oh, you get sent right. into an alternate dimension. You do some stuff in in limbo. Uh, breaking yourself out of limbo gives you the opportunity to tune the radio into the the terror, which is back open again. I'm not quite sure why, but then there's extra lines to close it off and take you all into the other dimension a second time, so that you can make the final decision of who to send. Y'all, does that sound about right? That yeah, no, I forgot that there was that yeah that she climbed to the top of the tower on Edwards Island, which like gave her some extra ability to reopen it. A super mega portal into the temporary liminal zone, which is <laughs> safe from the sunken, but we need to make the choice. I didn't quite understand how they got out of that. Like they sent one through and then how that's and they just... All just like woke up. It was like the portal closing just kind of like shot everyone back to like reset the timeline. Okay. Hey, that makes sense. Yeah. I did not get 95% of that from playing this game. Yeah, I was like, where yeah, in right. the fuck were we supposed to get I, like the parentage piece specifically, like any context of that outside of the... I feel like well, Alex showed up in the last half hour of the game and I did not have any idea who it was. You didn't even remember Alex from the first game? Dang, I remembered her voice, I, but I was like, which character was she? She was the main character, right? But what did we do at the end? I... I didn't have any idea who she was, what, why all of a sudden it seemed like all the main, all the characters knew who she was and like we were having conversations the whole game, but I don't remember seeing her at any point before the last half hour of the game. Like, I, uh, so, so who did you all choose? <laughs> let's, let's finish the other, the other okay. two ways this could have gone and then let's circle back to that because I, I agree. <laughs> yeah, I plot summaries from YouTube. <laughs> I sent, I sent Olivia, Olivia because there's, there seemed to be no reason why not to. I sent Jacob. What? Yeah. Why? why? Which it turns out only 2% of people did. And it turns out it's really only an option if you didn't befriend him. Well, and you have to allow him to come to the island with you. I almost yes. didn't even let him come to the island. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So that, you didn't care yeah, that like he was gate. like in love with Riley and like they were building a budding relationship and you're like, all right, well, fuck that. No, because I was role playing as Riley, who was like a like a a very self destructive like classic like well, not classic a very self destructive character and wouldn't would, let herself get close to him or open up. Why would Riley not give it to the person who wanted or she wanted to go? And f instead, you're gonna throw Jacob who is just some guy who's been doing his job on the island you're gonna damn him to an eternal suffering no because okay so did either of you have him at the end when he wasn't your friend because he talks a lot about how this is kind of the fulfillment of his life goals and destiny he was pretty much in love with Riley at the end of my game not in my game. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 
well, let me, he's, st- you could still tell he was, but my character hadn't like given him anything. So there wasn't like enough of a foundation there. So he ends up kind of being a sad person, sort of obsessed with what he'll be remembered for. And he like, at the end, he's like, I guess this actually makes sense. My grandma and the like trying to capture these portals is the only thing I've ever cared about in life. I actually really want to go in there and reconnect with Maggie and find out more. And I was like, you know what? Fair enough. That's a much more valid reason than a 16 year old girl being sad about her parents. I mean, I can understand your reasoning Uh, because he's what, like in his thirties is what the expectation is kind of said is like, they're like early 30 type people. Yep. In my game, he was just like sad. He didn't express any desire to, I mean, other than he's like, my life has not been fulfilling. I mean, if you want to take that as like him being depressed and suicidal, maybe, but that didn't seem like any reason. He didn't, I don't know why you would, again, commit him to eternal damnation or <laughs> because he was sad for an, a weekend. Like, dude, maybe get a it's hobby. My, maybe it's my unfulfillment and career. Um, here's here's what I wrote. I think some of this I just said, but Jacob wanted to reunite with Maggie who had many of the answers to this entire phenomenon. He's lonely and spent most of his life trying to validate her claims and journals. He picks this job because he thought the radio signals might allow connections to the ghosts that he's heard about. He's had a, he's has kind of a good idea about what was going on around here. Jacob's house is in the area of the original strike. Uh, Dude was kind of a loner nerd who posted info about the portals on the internet. So Charlie, the character that's helping Olivia, has read all that info from Jacob's internet posts under the handle, I I forget what. He wants to go and realize it's kind of the culmination of his entire life's work, and he's afraid of being perceived as a lonely old hermit. He's very preoccupied about having a life's work, which he otherwise lacks. Uh, Yeah, if he befriends Riley, he doesn't volunteer to go in. You kind of have to force him, which is a pretty dark ending. Uh, The friendship kind of gives him hope and connection, but if not, he asks Riley to let him go but only asks in return that Riley take care of his dog it wasn't until right now that I figured out who Maggie was uh, <laughs> fair enough I was like I thought who is Maggie this was lady his grandma shows... it is but she's yeah. the one that, that, that we're finding all the notes from and she's kind of yeah, had the whole yeah. thing figured out in his out. house the books and stuff like oh okay yeah. I get it but when I saw it I was like there's just some lady who's in who's got a two minute scene in a tower that like what? That's Sorry. tough. Uh, and then I wrote for Riley because you can also have Riley go in herself. I wrote she has the radio and the plot kind of thrusts her into being the main character role with stuff to clear up. Riley wants to go in the future with she, go in the future the with her unborn son. Olivia Rex. is the main character. <laughs> I okay, Sorry. hold on. She's a character who tends to punch most problems and is concerned with being a disappointment in her father's eyes. But in reality, we see in the game, it's kind of a lot more nuanced than that. Nuanced. Her father actually seems to care about her quite a bit. And Riley seems to be the one that's more disappointed in herself than her dad. Uh, I really thought that subtlety was really interesting. Yeah. She, she doubts her ability to be a healthy parent to her future child and is a drinker. And her main motivation for kind of returning home to the, to the, to the, what was it? What coast? I get so Sims-ish. Coastal Coast? <laughs> oh. Coast to Coast? Um, coast to Coast FM? I'm not, I don't mean to yeah. quiz you in the moment. The, that's why she's kind of returned two months prior to pregnancy to kind of try to clean up, be more sober, and uh, 
to me, it kind of looked like she was already on track to messing this up, not least because of like... Kamina Coast. Kamina Coast. Not least because she's like jumping around and like hurling herself off ledges like two months before her due date. It's pretty crazy. Um, I, I think two months before the game... Conception. Oh, that's very different. Um, the summary I read said before birth, but that makes more sense. Basically, I think like all of her reasons for self-doubt are the game kind of shows are actually quite valid. And uh, she talks with her far future son and there's some really interesting stuff there where he sort of talks directly about her failings as a parent. Um, But basically her reason to go in is that her like, it doesn't seem like she's ever going to like truly get control of herself, which I think is a pretty compelling like read on the story. What? What do you mean what? What do you mean by, I, I, I don't understand right, so or know or agree with it. anything you said about the main character. I So, real quick, I thought her son already existed. I thought she was, like, looking back at how she's, like, fucked up and had her kid when she was, like, in her mid-20s. Like, I definitely... As it, far as I understand, that's a look in the future. Yeah, that is... And okay, she's, well. she's pregnant at the current moment. Okay, finally which something really I agree the, with you on, Nate. Which, yeah. which makes the alcoholism sit a little different, I feel like. I yeah, mean, I totally. Guess we don't know that she's drinking during the pregnancy, but it's sort of, it's possible at least. Yeah, I I have no idea how I ended up in there, but like I, if you would have asked me when we started this podcast, I'm like, oh yeah, she already had a kid. She was looking back at it, um, at like the way that I she mean, that would make more sense her relationship. Than, like, I, I don't quite understand how this like portal... I mean, I guess, I guess the portals are time loops, which implies that they also could go to the future. But it seemed more like that seemed to be the only case that was really future looking. I, yeah, pretty I, much I, everything in this game is all in in the rears, right? I, I guess yeah. I don't, I don't get feeling guilty about shit you haven't done yet. <laughs> we're we're straight in the science fiction podcast now. <laughs> uh, like why but, would you but feel I think bad her entire about life's screwing up because a she's child full that of hasn't this, even like, been born yet? Because she knows that's what she's gonna do based on like how out of con- out of her control, I guess her life has felt so far. No decision I made in that game led me to believe I would have treated anybody badly. So that gets into like how I treated Jacob because the, I feel like when you first meet Jacob, your character you the player are kind of given this idea that your character is very strongly reserved before they start handing over conversational control to you and i feel like for me those hit really hard and i sort of like was a reserved character ever after but if you weren't really like thinking about that or didn't pay much attention to that then you would just kind of choose to be a nice character and then i feel like the end doesn't really make sense at all i was like jacob's psychologist he was like uh i'm feeling really nervous and i was like no man it's cool you know this is not a crazy idea go ahead ask me oh man yeah sure i want to be your friend let's do it like everything in this whole game was like yeah man cool whatever I got the strong sense that was not what her character would do. So I didn't do any of that. I didn't reassure him. I was just silent when there was a lot. That's the other thing. You can just not respond to dialogue. Yeah. I I really need to talk about this point because the the dialogue system, oh my God, it drove me fucking batty. 
Oh, Julia really? Batty. All right, yeah, now, okay. I think it's Real, so good. Yeah, before we, uh, let's tease that out for one second here because I am interested, Nate, that you like straight role-played, Riley. Like that's interesting in its own right as far as like really getting into her. I used it as like an opportunity where I was like, I can help Ooh, you adjust can help. like the trajectory of where Riley is going. Right. So, and even in some of the moments, and this is where it ties into Will's point about the dialogue choices. Um, I was like trying to be supportive and then Riley was kind of a dick in some of the ones that I thought interesting would be supportive yeah. based on like the little blurb. And then I was like, all right, well, I guess that's not quite as helpful, but over the summation of the game, like it started those little tiny choices did start to like meaningfully shift. Even if like Riley's overarching personality didn't change, there was a bit of softness that came out of it. And I think it was, you know, her reflecting on her father and all the other pieces that were happening there that led to it. But I want to hear why the dialogue system drove you insane. Um, It felt... <laughs> so there's pieces of it that I thought were like super cool um like the um that characters wanted to like resume com important they wanted to resu resume important conversations if they were interrupted but um and okay so first the things i like the characters would resume important conversations there was a um a mechanism where conversations would continue past screen loads oh, that's a whole other thing i need to talk about in a second boy those were long um they were long on pc too yeah okay all right i cannot fathom why spider-man can freeload <laughs> an entire universe but a two-dimensional meh image can't be anyway sorry yeah. um uh, it, it's though. a it's a real good question. I was like, it's strange. Yeah, the loading. I thought it had to have been like maybe a limitation from being cross platform on everything and being tablet oriented or something. But I was like, whatever that is happening, it limited my desire to interact with the world because I didn't want to transition screens. So like, it had like a true impact on how I played the game. So you saw that there was a an icon which indicated that yeah. this conversation would continue past the screen load. Yes, I did do that. But I meant just like general locomotion through the world when I was like, hey, maybe you hear something on the radio and you want to go explore. I was like, nope. Like, <laughs> I don't want to backtrack to go back forward again, potentially. But we can get back into that. But what was, continue about the, the actual dialogue system. So, the... So... Like, I'm aware that this system exists, and so I started to behave in a situation where I th was, like, taking the fact that I could do things and continue conversations for granted, mm. and that, and then they would change the rules in the middle, and certain conversations and things would just get locked out. Um, one of the great, con one, one of the great examples was, um, uh, the conversation where you spit off the bridge and I was super engaged in this conversation um, where uh, it's the part where she explains that she's pregnant and I was like oh crap and then Jacob starts uh, asking her questions and continuing 
And, you know, I picked a couple options and then he, at one point he, he shows a little bit of self-awareness and he's like, oh, okay, um, I'm going to let you continue, um, uh, start driving the conversation. I'm not going to keep driving this. And I was like, no, that doesn't seem right. I, I want you to keep asking me questions. So I didn't immediately pick an answer. And so his response was, oh, I guess we're not talking about it anymore. And it ended, and I had absolutely no way to go back to that conversation, which I was deeply invested in. And it happened multiple times. There was there was a time where I was, again, talking with Jacob, involved in the conversation. Um, I went across a screen load. I, like, put the controller down to grab a, a handful of popcorn or something. The screen loaded. He finished the conversation. By the time I grabbed the controller again, the conversation stopped. I couldn't continue it. Like, it it was really frustrating that, um, it's like, you know, it's it's you you've got this system that seems like it's supposed to be super immersive, but I can't actually interact with it in a way that I want to, um, and and but also, yeah, it's like, oh man, I I'm. It it uh, it was. That's interesting. I I saw all the cool things that it wanted to do, and I couldn't interact with the system on a way that I wanted to, and it just it bothered the hell out of me. I yeah I can I can understand that um, because I had some of the similar interactions there where there were conversations that either I just like kind of took a pause for a second to try and think about what was going to happen. And then you lost the option. I was like, well, damn, but you know, sometimes that happens in real life too. You like, you lose the moment to say what you're thinking. So, um, I could appreciate, (laughs) but then I spent five minutes walking across a giant field in utter silence because the conversation's gone. Like, (laughs) I, I think that is affecting, right? Like it affects in some capacity. So I think that's, an interesting choice at least to be made but the rules being shifted out from underneath you i do agree there is sometimes where you're like you you don't know for sure um or have total confidence that a conversation will continue or won't continue based on your choice and some of that i did find a little frustrating so i can i can sympathize in that space specifically of being like oh we're totally going to cross over or we're going to continue this conversation if I make a choice. And then all of a sudden, nope. Yeah. I mean, there was great examples where you're talking to Evelyn early in the game where, you know, you're talking to Evelyn over the radio. She says something and then you like, Oh, let me go exp- ex- ex- examine the ex- general store. And you'll say something to Evelyn over the radio. And she's like, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, back to what I was saying, you know, and it was like seamlessly pick up the conversation and so you like get into the say, you're like, wow, that's really great. And then at Edwards Island at the end of the game, Jacob's talking to you, you you walk up to a store, you like, hey, that's cool. Let me investigate this store. And Jacob immediately stops talking and it's over. Like, yeah. come on, man. Yeah, that that's another fair point. It is interesting because the dialogue tree choices is something that I think this game generally gets a ton of praise for, especially the uh, previous iteration as well, that like this is an example of like what to do with dialogue in uh, choice-based games. But I, I love the way that it makes you feel like um, 
it's not a list and I'm exploring every item in the list and right. going through and, okay, here's all the topics and then, okay, now we've talked about all the topics and we're done. It, like, it feels really conversational and it feels very flowy. Um, like, it, it does feel like you have to make a choice and then stick with that because that's what, what you decided. All of those things are great, but it's this, it's this cut off and ending thing that just, oh, man, it's... <sighs> It, it feels arbitrary and frustrating, yeah. It's a little bit of the, like, uh, you know when you're playing a Final Fantasy game or so many other kinds of games, when you're in those scenes, there's got to be a name for this, when you're in those scenes where exposition needs to be delivered and characters are walking, so they slow your pace down. Yep. But the AI, the NPC's pace is still not what your character's pace is, so <laughs> half of your energy and the dialogue, you're thinking about, okay, I don't want to get too far because it would, like... Like, if you're actually trying to role-play at all, it just it's like such an annoying immersion breaking aspect of what they're trying to do to be realistic yep it's also pretty crazy that we're seven years on from the original game's release they didn't do a lot new here and it still feels like class leading yeah i would say the the other piece compared to like the exposition dumps right is they do a great job and i'm sure they go through a lot of iterations here of giving you a preview that fits in the bubble that like gives you a feeling for what's going to be said and almost always like leads you to the right path, right? Without saying, um, well, that's extra like, cra- exactly I mean, what it's going to say, right? Like, think about Fallout 3. Fallout 3 has so much more space and fails so much more regularly at doing that exact thing. Yeah, it feels like a lot of those games try and tell you everything. You're like, well, now I just read the dialogue option that the character is now going to say. Like, that's not interesting to play through. And instead here, it's like, oh, I have a feeling that I know what they're going to go after. And then now they capture that in a broader sense, right? So you get enrichment from that. It felt, it still managed to feel closer to me than like a Bioshock. Yeah. Yeah. Not not Bioshock, uh, Mass Effect. Um, Maybe Bioshock. Definitely. Mass Effect where, you know. Mass Effect is just like a gist, and then they say something completely different. This felt yeah. like you, at least you're going down the, the same path. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. Um, I do have one final question around the conversational bits that I never understood what what happened and why, and I'm hoping you guys can enlighten me, which is after you had a conversation, like after the dialogue kind of tree has finished, different times you would get like a little character icon that would pop over their head. And I was like, does this mean that my relationship grew with them? Like, what is this actually representing? And I never had a clear answer throughout any of the game about what that actually indicates. That was my assumption. So-and-so will remember this. Yes. I believe it's a so-and-so remember this. It's like, it's affecting the, that person's relationship to the character pictured in some way. Okay. That's I was like um, most of the time I saw it it was Jacob like had a little image of Riley pop over his head and I was like I'm assuming this just means that their relationship is building into something stronger but like I'd, it could be the opposite it's it's yeah, yeah I think it's just that the relationship has changed in some way okay I was like I felt a little little silly that I didn't have like a very clear understanding of like when or why that would happen also but that kind of gets into your point will of like sometimes like those rules are very obscured and in some ways that's interesting. And in other ways I'm like, not sure. It's very strange that that's there because in a game that tries to be so naturalistic, it's a very game, like however abstracted just the icon is, it's, 
I mean, maybe it's just the fact that it's stylish. It is. It, it's yeah. a much more stylish approach than so and so will remember this, but it is just pretty gamey. Yeah, you would hope. I would hope that the intent of like the authors and the developers would have enough trust in the player to to recognize. Oh, their relationship probably grew from this. Uh, right. Unless that is clearly signposting a this fundamentally will shift like what the next outcome of a conversation will be if you're doing a replay maybe in you know subsequent playthroughs that becomes a a, something you pay more attention to i'm surprised it's not a an option that's toggled off by default but it is it is pretty stylish like even if you don't think about what it means it's cute so one more thing about the kind of conversation knee aspects of this game um particularly the radio and um i think the sunken were particularly bad um but there were also phone calls and i am not clear exactly who was talking a lot of the time so it could have been alex Hmm. or several other characters um but they have this um bumblebee speak Do do you understand that reference nate i have a feeling you should but you don't that's correct uh, what does Bumblebee speak? So You're talking Transformer? Transformers, the character okay. Bumblebee speaks with uh, radio snippets, and he says complete oh, sentences, yeah. but they're in like... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, that's how the sunken... I, that's, I believe that's how the sunken speak in these different radio snippets. Um, I really like that trope, by the way. I, like aliens that can only communicate using fragments of our own media. Yeah. It's cool. It it presents a really awesome vibe. I found it incomprehensible. Interesting. I, um, it was I it wasn't until about three quarters through the game that I decided I had to turn on the captions, and that became way clearer. All of a sudden, I started understanding that there was somebody talking to me. Um, and like the first conversation that I got, um was the one for the the uh they were telling me that the other ranger lady was in danger and so i just told her oh yeah not don't go outside apparently like 98 percent of people save this ranger lady and i'm like okay um oh interesting yeah you were part of the two percent that sent her to her doom no no, no i that was the first conversation where oh where you had the subtitles I had the subtitles actually, so yeah. I knew what she was supposed to say if I didn't see the subtitles I absolutely would have sent her to her DM because I had no freaking clue what the audio was coming across for uh, what the sunken and company were saying um, it felt yeah it I that's interesting I, I just thought it was really bad um for for a comprehension point of view um maybe it's just me or just the kind of person i or the kind of audio person i am but like it it's felt it felt like that should be a like a question or a prompt or a default uh setting from the beginning of the game um it 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 really stood out to me as a like a a mistake problem yeah that's that's interesting as well because i I don't know why I had subtitles on, but I had subtitles on pretty much the whole game. And I might have started playing it when 
something was happening. I wasn't going to be able to listen as clearly or something like that. But the subtitles I actually thought were incredibly useful. So I'm glad you got there. But I think they should have been a default because they're very good, at, especially when there's characters not on screen talking to you. Like there's different colors for the characters as far as the names. Like it's very... It helps signpost when other things are occurring or when people are coming through the radio stations specifically radio stations, the different 100%. frequency is like, oh, this is a character I have heard before, especially when it's like kind of distorted and you're like, is this is this someone I've talked to before? And most of the audio is good enough that you're like, yeah, it's, it's clearly different, but it is helpful to be like, oh, this is a net new person entirely. Like I've never interacted with this person in person or through the audio yet. It's been a hot few since I've played this. Was the, Craig, was the, the Sunken's transmissions intended to be garbled? Like, were you only supposed to kind of like piece together bits of it? Or was it entire, like, were they totally coherent sentences in theory? I can't remember either. It's been, you know, over a month the, since I played this. The captions were still, it, it didn't become 100% clear. They were all okay. like all lowercase mostly nouns one word okay. followed by a period okay. like yes it was it, that's there, what i thought i remembered okay it became somewhat but like just understanding how they related understanding the structure being able to to infer a sentence out of these random words <laughs> that just kept getting said <laughs> yeah um, totally became yeah. way I mean, way yeah. clearer if you could read them on screen that yeah, that makes sense. sense. I turned on subtitles halfway through, but kind of like you, I can't remember why, Craig. I wasn't yeah, having yeah. a problem, but... <laughs> yeah. And I agree, the subtitles were extremely good. <laughs> Super good captioning. Yeah. Um, and as such, to any of our listeners, if you've gotten this far and you haven't played the game, I would highly suggest just starting with them on. Um, which is kind of a little funny on the opposite direction of that because so many games start these days with like a huge menu of accessibility settings before you even get to start the game. I know at least recently starting uh, the Dead Space remake, starting Star Wars Jedi Survivor, like both obviously big budget games, but they have like a massive before you even start the game. I just played Mortal Kombat 1, a game who you wouldn't think would care that much, and it was a ton of accessibility questions before you ever started the game. It was interesting. Um, Hmm. Um, <laughs> I just, man, I mean, that game has a fair amount of plot, right? <laughs> but it's starting with captions is pretty great. That is. You just imagine like, someone's being torn apart, but thank goodness you <laughs> see the subtitle. Well, we're bouncing around the, the gameplay a little bit here. Um, I am curious about the movement for y'all. Like the art is gorgeous. The world is beautiful. Movement for me was clumsy, uh, and I was interested. That's why I was interested, again, on, like, the iPad. Is that a better place? Does it feel better when you're dragging around or however you're interacting with the screen versus uh, trying to maneuver through the world? I almost wonder if they should have done a Kentucky Route Zero thing for this because if you play on PC, it's a point-and-click game. You click anywhere you want them to go, and they just get there. That, which is, I'm sure, how it works on tablet as well. Which I uh, think would feel great versus... Yeah, it feels good. And I've, I've, honestly, I feel like that would have felt better on consoles even because I played with a controller yeah. for a bit of it as well. And, I mean, I don't... I, I didn't mind it, but I'm super unfussy when it comes to these kind of games. But yeah. the point and click did fit, make a lot more sense. 
wasn't game breaking by any stretch, but it was definitely something that. Are you talking it, about like getting to the corners and like missing the like? Yeah. Yeah. It just made a. It was. It was something that influenced my choices on how much I wanted to explore the world. Let me tell you, it was great when the collectible was like right next to you on the screen, but like a ways away, just clicking on it and letting the character do all the work. Pretty great. So I'm sure that's how it works on the tablet too. So I, I do wonder if that was kind of their, I mean, honestly, I wonder what their player numbers are. I was going to say, I'm sure their primary focus of development was on the tablet, but I don't know. I guess it depends on how well the Netflix games are doing. Yeah. Um, and then on that note a little bit for where to go throughout the world as the story presented, especially as it opened up in the beginning part, um, did you think that you had a choice on kind of which transmitter you would submit or you would go put up first or did you naturally kind of follow the path to whichever one was the first one off on the right side of the mountain? I went to the one on the left first because it was the first place that showed you there was a uh, like a grapple point, um, and uh, so that's the first one I went to. I was expecting to go to the left immediately, um, and the characters, uh, what do you call it in uh, dianetic, diatonic? What's the word? Diagetic. Diagetically. Diagetic. Yeah. The characters diagetically said, "Hey." This looks like a lock that you don't have a radio for. We should come back later. I yeah. really, really appreciated that. Um, it it did the thing. Um, it, it wasn't uh, just sit here and play with the radio for five minutes and maybe you'll figure out that you can't do this now. Like He just immediately said, hey, this is a good place to come back to later. And uh, I, I thought that was great. Great piece of design. And um, after that part, I kind of... I feel like I got put on the right path after that and didn't have any more problems. Um, yeah. I, I will add, though, right about that part that you're talking to, I came really close to dropping the game. I probably yeah. spent 10, 15 minutes walking in circles trying to figure out the next thing to do and came really close to deciding it wasn't worth finishing this game um, and just luckily ran into the right thing uh, just before I got fed up. So um, I definitely feel what you're, where you're coming from. That The little note that I had written, which was early on in the game, and I think my perspective shifted a little bit as I continued to play, was if you're going to be linear, commit to the bit. Like random wondering is not enjoyable. Like this isn't a game where like I'm seeking to find that. And I'm glad that it did have that space where it calls out, hey, you can't come this way. But I'm like, if you can't come this way going through a bunch of loading screens to get there before it tells you that isn't exactly enjoyable and i know it's these are smaller things but it was that was something where i'm like if you're not going to allow you to do that then don't yeah. open it up as it being like hey you can choose to go anywhere on this map that has you know over whatever it was 500 meters that you have to get above and even in that exact same example, in order to get to the place where she, he says, you can't do this, come back later, you have to climb slowly, throw <laughs> down a rope, slowly climb down the rope, walk all the way across the screen, climb all the way up the wall, and then he tells you. Like, yeah. So yeah, I totally get it. Yeah. Um, Small thing. It's like the first correct one you go to, you, I, 
I, it feels to me like at least some degree of, of an illusion of choice. I feel like you only have yeah. a choice between like two of them. Cause like you do the first one and then one of them becomes blocked off. And then the one on the left is blocked off because of the gate. Yep. So, like I agree with you, Craig, like why is it set up to be a choice? One of the things that I found that, uh, kind of elite. So I was getting ready to come to this podcast and just lambast them <laughs> walking around because it was it it, it at points it felt so tedious. The the saving grace for me was when I realized there was more slash enough to do and play around and and try and do discovery with the radio while I was walking and that didn't get in the way of my walking and I could like do both things at the same time. Once I figured out that that was a mechanism that worked for me to kill time while I was walking, I felt way better about it. But um, like I, you know, some of that is like I, I, I do two things at once all the time. I play video games while I'm walking the dog. You know, like th- th- that's a, a a really common uh, uh, pattern for me. So, um, like, uh, maybe that's just me, but it it made me feel way better about interacting with the game on that level. So on I'm that sure it wasn't note, just you. Yeah. yeah how how much did you guys interact with the radio and trying to talk? or listen to other random people or other things of that nature? None beyond what was required. I was just going to ask, is there hidden stuff all over? Just random transmitter frequencies? Yes. Uh, Neat. Yeah, so both on the radio and uh, there are some people to talk to on the walkie-talkie too. Um, it That's another. That's a question I have. I mean, I have a couple of questions that I, I want to get into more about like what I missed, um, but there's... 10 walkie-talkie stations and I talked to maybe three or four people. I was um, probably in that same range as you will and I was like, oh, I wonder what it would have been like to fill out all these. What? 10, sorry, 10 different, oh, like side characters and stuff? Yeah. Yeah, there's a fisherman. What did they say? There's obviously Evelyn. There's the um, the other ranger. Um, yeah, I'm assuming there's more people go. I mean, there's the the other kids were on one of the stations, and I yeah I think that's about all. I, there was a guy that I only m- met briefly, and I'm assuming I could probably talk to him. He wanted me to take a picture, and I don't know what he wanted me to take a picture of, so I just never came back to him. Um, I think there was oh, someone yeah. else who was like a fisherman or something that wanted you to go do something. There was definitely it the, prompted some random side quest and. The fisherman was absolutely another case where I wanted to respond to him. I put the controller down for a second. <laughs> he th- he thought I wasn't going to talk to him, and so I have no idea what the fisherman was about. Truly tragic. So did you have to be in a certain area when you tuned into the right frequency for them to get added to your channel selector? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's um, cool. Which, for me, when I was Makes wandering sense. around, it wasn't something that I just kept popping up, but I had uh, I'd listened to a few brief things about the game when it was coming out and when people were talking about it before I played it and they were like oh I loved listening to random radio stations that had music or to try and just pull it up and see if a character would show up when I was walking through a part of the world where there wasn't conversation happening and I was like oh yep. it was like a synth wavy EDM station 
I was like, yeah. <laughs> That's great. It sounds like That's nature. Fun. Yeah. Well, I really like the ambiance of the visuals and the audio. So I was usually just content to click on the other side of the map and wait for it to my character to walk over and kind of listen to the vibes. Yeah. Except for those loading screens. Yeah. I were pretty friction. I am interested as well, Will, in what were all the other characters and conversations and things that you could have prompted or popped up? I Okay, so I think a good context for this is the uh let's call it time capsule at the end of the game. Mhm. There were like 20 things in that time capsule and about a third of them popped up as hey, you made this choice. But a bunch of the things in there just didn't... I have no idea what the context was for them. Do you guys have any idea what those things were? No. For, for example, the there were some masks. There's like three different masks. Yep. and it, like Each one had a choice, but I don't even know what the choice was that I didn't make. I think there's also different types of time capsules depending on who... Which of the you three endings? Sent in, yeah. Which of the three endings? Which I think is mm. is interesting, but I didn't. There is a lot more choices in there, but to your, I think something. I I don't. I, I'm not a designer. Clearly, I can't imagine the best way they could have implemented this, but some way to signpost that there was an interactive something that could spawn off one of these conversations would have been great. Um either an audio cue or something. And maybe there is something, but not, I mean, apparently none of us picked up on it. So, you know, if they're going to put like the little icon above people's heads that are like kind of a pretty <laughs> signposty thing that's kind of gamey, it's like, well, if you want to have all this extra content that's throughout the game that's uh, completely missable, is there some way to, to indicate a little bit further into that? Hmm. I don't know what I think about that. Yeah. yeah. I feel you on a gameplay level. I think the the so-and-so will remember this kind of works because it's so cartoony and abstract. <laughs> it really, like if you don't think of the Telltale games, it really just looks like a thought bubble above their head that they're thinking about you. Yeah. Which, which functions narratively without the gameplay context unless you're like well-versed in these things, I feel like. But I mean, I agree. I, do you, are we kind of thinking that all the ones in the chest that don't have a percentage next to them mean like what was your thought meaning that you didn't even get to that choice that that's what i am assuming i would assume that the objects wouldn't show up in the suitcase if you didn't get the choice but that actually makes less sense so yeah the objects not. definitely were some of them were there and i was like i have no idea what this is referencing yeah i wonder what some of the hidden stuff is this is, i mean it's hard for us to compare on the podcast hey what are all the scenes you guys saw it would have been interesting to compare what all of our percentages were, but it's I think we got the the nugget of that with me choosing to send Jacob, which is apparently such a rare thing to do. It, it says there was a mug, and the mug has a, a note from Maria on the back of the mug, thanking Riley for all her help and apologizing for some of her actions, blaming them on the teenage hormones, which makes me wonder, who is Maria? Yeah. <laughs> That's where it's like, maybe to your point, Nate, maybe it's like a static like occurs as you're walking through an area or like the radio that you're carrying, just like something kind of starts to come through and it's like, oh, one of the channels must be interfering and it you know, causes you to think to like, oh, look, what channels are occurring in this area? 
Um, yeah, I feel like that was a thing in the first game. It, it might have been me, and maybe it was somebody else who like went through most of the game and didn't turn on the radio the whole time. <laughs> that like, sounds spectacular. That's right. I hope that's true. And man, I do wish that we had written down like what of our uh, choices were made. Um, but there was some interesting story bits as well with like the funeral scene between, I think it was Riley this, and Rex. For this lizard? Gecko? I think so, yeah. Yeah, that one was sad. Yeah, there's like some truly emotion, like emotional content. What a terrible way to say I, that. No, I mean, I think this game is really... <laughs> I've uh, I've been having this strange back and forth with myself, this dial, this pointless dialectic between um, really like where I'm at with video games, where I've I've been reading a lot in the last couple of years, and I've started to think like, are books just better than games? I'm really starting to think so, and then I'm wondering why am I pitting the two against each other, and then I'll go back to a game and wish that it had the plot of a novel. And there's, it's just been a lot of this, like, I'm not sure why I'm doing this, but with all that being said, one of the most common vectors of that for me is like actual portrayed depth in characters. And I feel like this game has some really good, uh, like, uh, all the phrases I'm thinking of, I think just like Craig are cliched, like shades of gray, (laughs) morally (laughs) complex, ambiguous narrator. Like, I, I just think the way Riley's portrayed is really quite interesting it's not all bad. It's not all good. It's 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 like hyper vivid, and I found that really cool and impressive. Resounding silence from the other hosts. <laughs> wow, I I agree. But I was I was reminiscing on our last episode of talking about like why are you playing games and not reading books uh, when we were talking about different visual novels and and things of that nature. So there is there is a thread here There's that I can't wait here. to pull on when we get to Elden Ring or Dead Space. Yeah. It's like, well, here's what happens when narrative gets pulled away. I can preview now what episodes are going to have me coming back strong. You want me to tell you what they're going to be? No, let's leave it as a surprise. Okay. I think the sense of melancholy throughout the whole, like a lot of the points of the game, and maybe it was some of the things that I, the, the choices in the conversation that I made, and or the choices that I made to not continue conversations. Um, yeah, everything just had this sense of, it, it, it's weird because the story was, or the story kind of was, we're stuck in this day, we're stuck in this time, we're stuck in this loop. But the feel of everything was like this slow, unending uh, eternity that that that's just gonna go on. And like it, it wasn't about action. It was about like sitting and thinking about choices and thinking about reality and the vastness of space and existence. Like, um. Yeah, that the the vibe of the whole game was a, a lot of that, and and I appreciate how well the game could get across those feelings. This is a Dostoevsky novel of a game. I'm very proud of myself. That was brilliant. <laughs> but it really is, though. It's very existential. It's like who who like. 
the struggles in this game are pretty intense and non-acute and it's kind of it's it, it does feel kind of unique actually the, narratively the piece the way that will that you just described that i think is is beautiful and a great way to describe that even without knowing what was specifically occurring in the plot for much of the game and understanding the full breadth of things that were occurring that feeling was palpable like that feeling came through within the the game in the way that you did interact with it but that was one of the places where as a mood setter i kept coming back to it to finish it because i was like it was just an interesting world to be in and i kept feeling limited by not understanding the full breadth of the story and it was one of those places where not having the big picture really impacted the moment-to-moment um enjoyment of trying to piece together the story because i'm like i'm did i miss the first 30 pages like what happened here where i've lost the thread in some capacity and have you know small bits of it right i have like interpersonal relationships between riley and jacob that i could pull on to but i definitely didn't understand the the full worldview in that that way but i the way that you describe that right like the mood feeling the setting gave a place to existence still i also feel like there were a lot of opportunities for this game to go for it to you know swing for the fences and they just didn't take them (laughs) i i I think of like there's a chance i mean two things that come to mind um one is the 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 portal that you can set to any time period you want and it's like holy crap there at uh i think you could only actually do two of them but at the very least, that's hundreds of options, right? Like, who knows what kind of possibilities and things could be going on. Um, and they, you know, I played with it around with a few of them. They all seemed dead. It didn't seem like, you know, either you found the right one or you didn't. Um, it didn't. That is another, that's kind of like the branching paths thing. It's like, why give us this option yeah. If you're going to only fill out one real up way through it. The, there was a part or a part where Jacob falls down the in the church, falls down the tower. Mhm. Oh yeah. Like I could uh first of all the perception where she's climbing down forever yeah, before she cool. gets to the bottom. <laughs> like th- there's something going on, there's something interesting. The fact that, you know, Jacob could have fallen to his death that it feels like there was something going on there and then he just gets up and you know stands up and walks away at the end of that scene it's like oh man you could have done something like uh what's her name uh Violet the scene where she commits suicide 30 times um like it it's almost doing something it's almost saying something it's almost going and then she just walks away at the end it's like oh man they a lot of these things just they they don't feel fulfilling because they're not going for it they're not trying to do or say something like that would be a great place to make a choice like what if i could have gotten out of that scene and she actually died and it had some consequences throughout the rest of the story or you know 
the the you find that oh yeah you can save violet but she's like emotionally destroyed for the rest of the game and it right. probably would have been better if she had done it or something you know like go for it do something say something and it just everything felt a little flat from the story to telling it from that perspective the the same with uh rex right her son like uh, from what i'm getting from you guys his whole point of it being in the story was to guilt the main character but like one it didn't line up to me but like he could have gone way further in if if what he was trying to do was make me feel bad like show me more of his anger at me like he was uh, the only like anger i saw from him was anger at the death of a gecko which like <laughs> it, in that context any emotion is relevant right like yeah, anyway, sorry. I'm I just wish they had you know, swung a little harder, I guess. I think a lot of those ways of going for it harder would end up in surrealist territory. I mean, your example of climbing down the ladder is a great one. Yeah. In the subtlety that it's deployed in the game, you can kind of imagine it as like her, it took forever to climb down cuz she's so worried about what's happening at the bottom, pretty subtle. But I I wonder if in narrative games there's a lot of trepidation about uh, the ending of Backbone and how much that was hated. Uh, Man, which, really by the way, like is, I should play that. Um, which, by the way, is not called Backbone anymore. It got renamed uh, in August to Tales Noir. I don't even know what we're talking about. Can you give me a little more context? Yeah, Backbone is a uh, like a very beautiful, like uh, Unreal Engine shaded pixel art game that came out in gosh, when 2019. was it? Twenty twenty one. Oh, twenty nineteen. Yeah. Steam says June 2021. Oh, it looks Could pretty. have been. Yeah, it's very beautiful. It's like a grounded, gritty detective novel at the beginning where you're going around kind of point and click detectiving. And then in later acts, it steps back from that dramatically. And then there's a, a, I would say, a shockingly bleak ending that a lot of people feel comes out of nowhere that I thought was really spectacular. But I'm really into surrealism. So I guess that makes sense. But. I think it's kind of marred the game's reception ever since because a lot of people think that it's like, I think the sentiment is this is like a game at the beginning and it ends up not being a game by the end, which is, you know, that's a take that makes me sad, but it also kind of makes sense, I think. Anyway, I think that there's this sort of, and I think this is true in like genre literature. The genres that are respected are pretty grounded and realistic. And the further outside that you go, the more like... <laughs> risk you're taking i mean they're making a sci-fi game so like i'm maybe that's not a concern to them but that's something i think about often that um the opening prologue was released in 2019 and then the full mm. game in 2021 but i think cool. it just came to playstation plus like i saw it pop up recently somewhere and i was like wait a second nate had something interesting to think about this this seems worth investigating yeah i would play that game it's Six hours long. It's interesting. It's beautiful. Why not? Yeah. I feel like we can dive a lot more into the story design and, and like the the it just isn't as relevant to this specific game. So maybe we'll I agree with context I, I, for it. I like what the like I hear what you're saying, Will. It makes sense to me. 
Uh, Will, you hinted that the art style was meh. Is this uh, true? Uh, uh, I or was think it more I, like weighed against the load times? It was meh. Oh yeah, sorry. I um, it, it I I think maybe that be a slightly different context. Like I thought the game looked beautiful. Um, the 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 load time performance thing it just blew my mind like functionally at the end of the game we're looking at a fairly static one image on the screen yeah Yeah, you know with a couple of extra sprites functionally the exact same aesthetic from the same thing we've been doing since you know king's quest or in the early 80s like the technology is functionally the same um and we see, you know, other examples of, like, literally the the Spider-Man games where they have these huge open worlds which can load in and load out. And yes, that's a AAA game, but you're talking about like exponentially, uh, if not multiple levels of exponent exponentially live. Yeah, yeah, things um, to load. And those things all happening seamlessly, you know, while your back is turned, you know, while your character turns around, um, the, the, uh, um, you know, even, you know, Mass Effect games or, you know, Naughty Dog games where you, you shimmy through a couple of rocks and you're just in the next area, you have an entirely new world load. Um, yeah, it just seemed... Well, the funny thing Ridiculous is, they put. A, I would. I would imagine they put a lot of work into the dialogue, continuing through load screens. Yeah, <laughs> like that's that doesn't seem trivial. <laughs> and I, I, I do appreciate also that the that came from like AAA games down. The, the the actual conversation will happen in the load screen, which I thought was which is great, uh, great. But it raises questions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it is a little and like funny. If you all remember when Oxenfree originally released, the the first one had terrible performance issues, and After Party as well, I think launched with some also performance issues. So this is the first time when the game launched and they came through with there's not really any performance issues except for the the loading screen. So um, interesting. I'm still yeah, it's baffling why they're as long as they are also well it's a unity game so the next game they release probably will be on a different engine so there's that (laughs) i think it's just kind of sad because it's not that big a deal and if you had made different choices in the game you could like get around the its impact um it just for the gameplay they had for the story they were trying to tell it it it's right up in your face and 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 breaks things up that in a in a really uncomfortable way um it it feels like you could solve it with either uh better technology better engine something else something different or you know probably on a better more cost-efficient method like writing your story writing your system around not getting into a place where those things become noticeable in the first place um and and i just wish that 
they had prioritized either one of those things. Yeah. It, I mean, yeah, it's it's a curiosity, especially when you have the the movement through each of the screens is not incredibly fast. And you're like, there's not that many options that you can spring off into. So that, that stuff's not being cached in the background. Oh, yeah. yeah. Who knows? I'm sure there's a... I have no doubt that there is some technical reason that makes a lot of sense if, if one of the developers explained us. Um, but yeah, it's curious. There's a... A saying which I love, which the difference between it works and it just works is magnitudes. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, do we? I want to talk about the audio just in as much as I think it's great. It's exactly the same aesthetic as the first game. Scientific did the soundtrack again. I feel like it's the same who, kind of who like... Who did the soundtrack? Scientific. Scientific. Wow. Okay. Let me see what else they've done. After party. Y'all played Sneaky Sasquatch. Oh, they did Jet. Oh, okay. Uh, which I had forgotten about. And I guess not a lot more than that games wise. Um, yeah. Uh, it has very similar like analog synthesis, tape loops, sort of a Boards of Canada kind of aesthetic, but very like nostalgic, hazy, backwards looking sort of music. Uh, I think it's great. Yeah. And I think the the voice acting just like <laughs> A plus. So good. Uh, in a way that I think is becoming more common now, but seems on par with the first game and really kind of um, still, I think, kind of is impressive. It's, but, I mean, audio for this game is one of the things that it has to hang everything off of, right? If yeah. the voice acting was terrible or not believable or any number of other ways to describe that it, it didn't hit the mark, it would, I feel like that would be where the house of cards would come falling down. So having incredible audio and great voice acting feel like we shouldn't gloss over it it is worth like absolutely celebrating yeah and i like i love the yeah i the whole aesthetic package here i think is phenomenal yeah 10 out of 10 that piece not the game <laughs> i was like whoa <laughs> let me be unexpected. very clear the greatest uh surprise in ep history yeah uh I want to go back to the story for just a couple things. I forgot to answer your guys's question earlier about where I learned the things I did about, oh God, I got a vamp until I remember the name of the faith, parentage. Um, the, <laughs> the answer to that is that they had a YouTube series that they helpfully called Tape 2, The Characters of Oxenfree 2 Lost Signals, which was a series of videos that had some like lore dumps about parentage. Um, so I don't think in all reasonability we are should be expected to understand a lot of that which is kind of a bummer because the game didn't do enough to make me want to be curious about it out of the game i wish i knew that multimedia stuff existed um i'm the kind of guy who you know would look into that if i knew it was around well you and i were local for the arg from the first game which i really wish i had done it ended up on bainbridge island I um, was trying to remember that. I was like, was that related? Was that related to Oxenfree one? But it was. But that was a. I remember was. reading about it after the fact. And I was like, man, if you were part of the community that was in it, it sounded really awesome. Yep. 
Um, and then the the one other thing that I've just been kind of reflecting on is it's a these two games together are a really interesting duology in that the first game is about teenage drama and this game I guess especially reading through the plot is also about teenage drama but the bulk of the like experience of playing this game is about adult Inui like existential dread and sort of like the reckoning with your adult lives and it's like just conceptually I think it makes a really cool duology of games that are like both anchored in different kinds of points of life uh and I, I just, I dig that a lot. Um, now I think I'm ready to wrap up. Those are the last two things I wanted to say. I'm Unless really, anyone else says anything. I'm really curious. And again, probably should have looked this up on my own. <laughs> it, what is What happens in the denouement if uh, the main character, whose name I totally know, Riley, uh, enters the portal? Riley is living eternity with her son in another timeline. Interesting. Interesting indeed. We all want to wrap up? Yeah. I want to hear Will go first. I want to want to hear this saga. Yeah. Um I started to take uh some notes for my ending bit here. Um I th- while I think this game um was absolutely beautiful um, and had some seriously compelling uh, vibes, the sense of loneliness, the melancholy, the ambiance, the ennui, as you mentioned. Um, All those things uh, were communicated in a really passionate, deep way. I think the art piece of this game was fantastic unfortunately i feel like the game falls apart in the game um it it at points felt tedious to walk around uh i felt like the um the, some of the audio and by by which I, I mean the conversations, the sunken conversations, they they felt hostile to the player. They felt opaque. Story decisions uh, were unclear. Um, the story, I, I, what, what, I was completely unable to follow the story on any significant level. And it really, it was really disappointing that that whole side of this game just fell apart for me. I really appreciate what it was trying to do and am sad that it didn't get there. Um, this feels like a, uh, a four for me. Out of 10 or five? Out of 10. Okay. <laughs> it, it, I, that's fair. I mean, yeah, I wanted it's a story it to game be more, where the story didn't connect. Just, yeah. 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 I'm going to go next in a turn of events here. Um, I had my hesitations playing this game, I think, in exactly the same moments as well. Like, I definitely got lost trying to get to one of the towers, and it was not really super fun controlling the characters. I loved 
the kind of voice acting and interaction between the characters. But at the beginning of the game, that felt pretty much just like it was on par from the previous game. So it wasn't really like that was like blowing me out of the water to push me through. When I got back on track and things started making more sense, a little bit more sense, um, I became really invested just due to the like quality and granularity of these characters, like revealing their inner thoughts. And I thought it was really an interesting game to role play the kind of emotionally unavailable protagonist because the game kind of drew me into that in a way that made sense. Um, I liked that it was pretty short and I don't really feel like it overstayed its welcome. Um, but for me, yeah, having to go to a YouTube plot summary to really connect all the dots is kind of a, uh, a little annoying. Um, and that's kind of a bummer for me. Um, and the loading screens, like, it really shouldn't be a bummer, but it is a bummer. It was kind of, it just <laughs> felt weird. It felt out of tune with kind of what the game's whole vibe was trying to be. So I, for me, it's like a, maybe a 7.5, maybe an eight. I really liked the like Dostoyevsky-ish like misery of it. <laughs> it was pretty like interesting <laughs> and relatively unique narratively. So I'm really impressed at how well that was pulled off. But yeah, just a little bit around the edges. What about you, Craig? I think I ended up somewhere between the two of y'all where to Will's point, I was also heading into this podcast and I was like I don't know what happened like I know parts of what happened between like interpersonal relationships but as far as wrapping up the overall narrative of the game at the end I like ended and I was like I have limited idea of what happened here um, which was curious in reflection because I was remembering back to playing the first one and I don't remember leaving that game with that same emotion I don't remember leaving that being like, oh man, I have no idea what happened in this paranormal um, space or why this is occurring. I remember it being like, oh, that's an interesting ghost story. It's probably a good way. Um, but there's pieces of this that are like lingering on different topics that we kind of touched upon, right? There's pieces of talk about loss, about uh, choices to be made, about fear of failure. Like there's a bunch of small pieces that kind of get there that I wish I could have taken in a little bit more. Um, and then on the other side of that, you're playing this thing that's beautiful. It sounds great. It's well acted. Don't understand what they're acting about, but well acted. And, um, and then you have the other gameplay elements that just don't really connect as far as movement and loading within the screen. And you're like, man, every time we take like two steps forward, we take a step back. And that was like my interaction with the entire game where we would move the narrative forward, wouldn't really understand everything that's happening. So it was kind of like a half step or you would move throughout the world and I would think I'm heading in the right direction, hit a wall and be like, okay, well, this is actually linear. There's one place to go, but now I've just traversed and spent, you know, a few minutes, not a ton of time. Um, but all of those moments kept bouncing me up against recognizing like, oh yeah, this is a game that has its limits. Um, and also like, what was the design choice to have some of these limits in place um, or to send people down these pathways that won't really be accessible? And on that note, it's like, hey, maybe there's an interesting side story that I missed because I didn't pull out the radio at the right time. Um, 
but that's not enough for me to to be like oh okay that's what i want to come back to and i've heard from other folks that are like oh this game really hits its stride on the second or third playthrough as you're seeing the different interactions and you understand the entire story and i'm like i Hmm. don't think it's fun enough or interesting enough to play to to warrant that level of commitment um and i don't mean this to be a rebuttal to your uh statements nate but i think it outstayed its welcome for me just a little bit too long like we i think it was probably a six ish hour playthrough and by hour four i think i was like all right i'm i'm ready to head to the finish line like unless something else happens here but i think that's part of being trapped in a narrative that i didn't fully understand where i was going so it was like all right like we might as well just wrap this up uh sooner than later um so i kind of leave it with a bit of of mixed emotions and coming out of it less positive than my expectations had me going into it um if i were going to put it on a score like i would put it as a three out of five not out of ten um and which would be like squarely in the it's okay. I don't look back in and go like, man, I wasted six hours of my life, but it's definitely not in the book of like, oh, I wanted to come back to playing it. Um, and I I think similar to you, well, I would have bounced off um, without the podcast to kind of pull me through it as well. I have a quick question. Do you guys think the story makes more sense if you had just wrapped Oxenfree 1? Oh, for sure. Like was knowing who Olivia was part of what was missing? Because I... I I, I, Are you telling me Olivia was in the first game? Yes. Because I didn't know that until this moment. <laughs> I I yeah, was I, curious I, because I still, I was guessing that they were characters from the first game. I was like, I think I remember that. But I was still not quite clear of her intentions even remembering that. So unless they were like really specific in the first game, I was like, I wonder if even that would have made the difference. Which is so curious because the positioning of this game when it came out was you don't need to have played the first one. If you've played the first one, it really? will help. Yeah, it was definitely a like, if you played the first one, it will enhance your experience. You'll catch little things that you wouldn't have noticed. But like, this is a standalone that takes place multiple years after the first one. And That's that, wild. Like, you'll be enriched by knowing it. But I'm like, I... I don't know about that. I yeah. feel like this game yeah. would have benefited greatly by a previously on oxen free yeah. yeah i was curious why that wasn't in there either it seemed like and i think our our missing co-host tonight uh polly i think he even dropped a youtube video in that was like a 10 minute here's what happened in youtube explainer of oxen free one and i i should have posted that after i had played oxen free too but i was like that probably would have been a good place to start. I am also, yeah, I'm just very surprised that it didn't get summarized in the game. But it, it does go yeah. to show that their belief was you didn't need to. Yeah. It's crazy because I think just a little bit more context around the goals of Olivia, like one or two more lines even, would have really made a tipping point of like, oh, I'm starting to piece together what the goals are here at least. Yeah. Anyway, great talk. Yeah, thanks, guys.